between my legs, between my legs, go. The squirrel was like running between the legs and then try and flip the squirrel. Somatic sexologist Morgan Penn is back with Hayley Sproul for a new season of Sex.Life. So more and more little pets started appearing and some horses for the pony play. Sex.Life, a new episode every Wednesday. Listen on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Wild Secrets. Koto Aotearoa, welcome to the Export Bear Garden Studio, welcome to the headquarters of the Alternative Commentary Collective and welcome to the post-test wrap from two-thirds of the BYC as the Black Caps ground South Africa Sea into the artificial semen, the cowpats and the fertiliser of Martin Sneddon Park in the mighty Hamiltron city of the future in the heart of the mighty Waikato. I am Paul Ford, the godfather of the Beige Brigade, and I'm joined by sports writing aficionado El Presidente of the Bounce Substack newsletter. Good evening, Dylan Cleaver. Good evening, Paul. Nice to have you back. Although orders was a very worthy replacement, I thought. Absolutely. Oh, I loved hearing the, uh, your, your dulcet tones as I put some headphones into my ears and, and uh, you, you sent me off to sleep a little lullaby uh, the last couple of nights. Um, anyway, another glorious victory for New Zealand and a history-making first test series over South Africa. I am thinking, thank Christ for that. Um, what about you? Yeah, I... Look, at tea yesterday, I was thinking, oh, my God, they're blowing this. I'm actually going to blow a guilt-edged opportunity to break, what is it, 92 years of hurt or something like that. And then, um, yeah, like Glenn Phillips stuck out his right hand. And since that moment, really, everything has gone New Zealand's way. And I wouldn't say I felt comfortable today until probably midway through that middle session, once Will Young got established and it was pretty obvious Kane was going nowhere, I thought, yeah, uh, New Zealand are going to do this. They're going to do it comfortably, which is what they should do against the South African team. But it was just a kind of a circuitous way to get to that comfortable place. (laughs) Yes, and just to recap, of course, New Zealand mowed down uh, the victory target of 267 today for just three wickets down, of course, anchored by none other than Steady the Ship, Williamson, who I'm sure we will talk in very, very glowing terms shortly. But yeah, you're bang on, DC. Uh, That first test hiding from South Africa was completed on the 1st of March, 1932. Uh, New Zealand scored 293, South Africa scored 451, and New Zealand could only muster a paltry 146, despite Mr Weir scoring 74 not out. Um, of out of 146, not bad, but uh, that was where the the hurt began. God, it does. It's a bloody long time ago, isn't it? Yeah, there's been a few drawn series uh, here and there. I think New Zealand might have even drawn to all in South Africa under the great John R. Reid, who himself had a, a sort of tour de force of a of a tour. Uh, I definitely can remember a, a drawn series back here in New Zealand after. Scott Styrus and Chris Ken's century, century set up a big win, only for them to then go down in a screaming heap at the basin. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I know it's great, and I love it. I love there's a Tangiwai Shield up now. It's a fantastic looking trophy. Um, I get that we've broken the the curse, the hex, whatever you want to call it. But I just can't, in all honesty, sit here and tell you that it feels the same 
as it would if we had beaten a team with Aidan Markram, with Dean Elgar, with Giso Rubata, et al. Yeah. No, that I, I think that's right. And it's no one's it's no one it's none of the twenty-two players out on the field's fault that that's how Correct. it feels. It's and I guess that's the sort of travesty of the of the state of affairs, isn't it? It does feel a bit hollow. It's that it'll be that weird thing. I'm sure they're South African, and I'm sure it's not in their DNA to be like, oh, that would we put up a good fight. But I think uh, as they look back in a few years and go, that was bloody amazing that we got to go and have that crack, and we we did South Africa proud, particularly in the second Test match. You know, they gave New Zealand a hell of a a hell of a fight right up to right up until today, really. Yeah. But you know, just the circumstances around this series are always going to demand um, an asterisk. And you know, you mentioned the Tungiwai Shield there, and it actually makes it a little bit sadder, actually, because a fantastic gesture from I assume it was New Zealand cricket, but obviously cricket South Africa would have had something to do with making that a thing. Um, and uh, yeah, it was uh, quite an, quite emotional. I don't know if you saw ninety three year old one Test wonder Ian Leggett out there. Handing yeah. the trophy over, dangerously old. Um, of course, Ian Ian Leggett played the third test, the Tangiwai or well, the Tangiwai match, if you want to call it. I think was the the second test in that series, um, and Ian Leggett played the third test. But uh, yeah, one of the members of that touring party, and it's such a cool cool gesture. And yeah, I guess you always we'll always look at this series and go, I oh, thank God we got that done. But geez, it could have been an absolutely incredible entree into the South African series. So. Um, a bit of a shame. What a bit of silver lining, though. I just checked in the World Test Championship table. We are, we are absolutely storming DC. Um, I mean, this is an exciting, exciting a points table as you can get. As New Zealanders, top of the charts was a seventy-five percent points. Yay! So yes. exciting. <laughs> Things get a little tougher from here. So hold on to your hats. Don't throw them in the air in celebration just yet. Two tests, obviously, at home against Australia, and then there's a break, obviously, as T20 takes over. And then I think it might be, in terms of the World Test Championship, it might be a series in Sri Lanka, which is never an easy place to, to play. Oh, my God. You're not wrong about that, Jeepers. Be, that will be very, very tough. Very, very tough. And, you know, I guess from a South African point of view, do you think would they be would they be happy? Do you think on reflection, maybe not right this exact moment, but do you think that they gave New Zealand a bit more of a a fright in this, particularly in this second Test match, yeah. than than what they might have expected on they paper? Did, but I, I, I tried to get inside their heads, and it was a really tricky journey today. Um, I I thought they had set themselves up to win yesterday. Bellingham outstanding, Keegan Peterson playing a very good supporting hand. The pitch was turning. We knew Dane Pete would be a threat. But then I looked at the field sets and the general approach of the South Africans today, and it felt like, oh, well, we'd given it a crack, but we're not going to get there, so let's just try and keep this respectable. Let's try and bore a few New Zealanders out, and maybe maybe they'll come away with a four- or five-wicket victory. It never, There was never anybody under Kane Williamson's nose at um, Silly Point or anything like that. There was, I mean, Will Young came in, and you know that's a guy under a, immense pressure um, for his future in the Black Caps Test setup. And I never felt once that there was anyone chirping at him. There was any kind of overt aggression, like you would certainly have got if the bowling attack was a Dale Stain, a, um, a Mornay Morkel uh, kind of scenario. There was there was none of that. I almost felt like. Um, Neil Brand had sort of said, oh, well, we used up our bullets. 
for three days. We were pretty bloody good. We kept it competitive, but you know, as it was, not too good. Yeah, yeah, I, th that's right. They felt a bit, um, well, passive, really. I mean, and passive in combination with not having very good artillery is not a very good yeah. combination. You know, some of the bowlers had their had their moments. I think that's fair to say. But yeah, overall, I, I saw it was described somewhere as an unimaginative um, fielding effort from South Africa today, and yeah, I thought that summed it up pretty neatly. Did we get to the bottom of why? Brunt himself didn't bowl, having been the chief destroyer only last week at the Mount. That seemed odd to me. Yeah, I don't know. And I uh, I was thinking maybe it felt an obligation, having picked two specialist spinners, to trust those spinners. And I think uh, um, Dane Pete repaid him in spades, actually. And I actually felt that he looked very threatening this morning, but he, he clearly got tired. And I know it sounds a little bit... Um, I guess cheap to say that, well, how does an Ospina get tired? They bowl off four overs and they're not exactly steaming in. But you do, you get tired. It's repetitive shoulder action. He started to drop it short. Kane Williamson started to latch onto it. And I think Brown probably felt um, maybe maybe that's where he felt the game was slipping away. But that, in, in turn, that would have been exactly the right time for him to bring himself on and have a bowl if he was fit. So maybe there was some underlying issue there that we weren't informed about. Yeah, I, I heard in, in a couple of people were saying, you know, if he wasn't the captain, he would have been bowling. <laughs> yeah. but, but because he was the captain, it was almost an obligation to the other players. And I guess that's part of the weird setup that South Africa find themselves in. You know, they probably can't just go for the jugular because they are just giving everyone a go. So they've got to give them a go. It's sort of a weird irony that they're maybe making stranger decisions because of the strange setup that they're in. It's sort of a, um, you know, ever, ever decreasing circles type situation. Um, in terms of the, the series stats, Kane Williamson head and shoulders, 403 runs. Uh, second was Ratch and Ravindra with 301. And then it was, it was Bettingham, the who looked absolutely terrific yesterday. Um, and then from a, I guess from a bowling point of view, uh, Willow Rourke, we'll talk about it shortly. And then it was Brand himself, second on the wicket-taking charts for the yeah. Test Series and uh, only bowled in the one Test match. And then it was Pen, Um and then uh, Jamison and Santner with six wickets. But yeah, it was, uh, so, you know, some interesting stats. It's not, as I say, not like the South Africans embarrassed themselves out there. No, and I think um, the the revival of Dane Pete's career will be a talking point here. Uh, he did look like he had the goods on a track that turned uh, Benningham. I'd be su very surprised if this is the last we see of Benningham. I, th I think he looks test class player. Uh, then you straddle a little bit. Dane Patterson was a very honest trier, as was Seppo Marecki, actually. They were both quite impressive and both unlucky, but they're, they're just not in the same class as uh, Kikiso, Rubada, Alungi, and Didi, um, and Gidi, uh, and Rick and Nortia. So, you yeah, know, I'm an, not um, yeah, and what's the what's the young guy? Kutsia. Yeah, I mean, they've got Kutsia, a, yeah, yeah it's a, it's uh, a, Jansen, yeah. I'm not expecting brutal. to see a lot more of the, the seam attack, but Pete might get another go, Benningham might get another go. Um, Fortane kept pretty well. Didn't score a run though, so probably not an opener. Yeah, yeah, and, and Brandt himself looked solid in the second test, but just lacked that big score that would have made people sit, sit up and go, "Oh, jeepers, where's this guy been for the last ten years?" He's because <laughs> they do have issues right at the top of the order. So you know, he was probably 
a big score in New Zealand would have set him up nicely for some more tests, but it, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, Pitt, Pitt was amazing, actually. I mean, when you think, hasn't, I think he made his debut for South Africa in 2014, I think it was, um, hasn't played since 2019 and was trying, he was over in America trying to get into the American cricket team so he could get into World Cups and travel to all these amazing places. And you could tell when they interviewed him, he was absolutely chuffed. He had his, his wife, his partner, and his, and his um, I think it was a little girl, maybe, but you know, no, it was a little boy there. And, you know, he was really emotional about um, what he'd managed to do. And I guess not just turning up, but actually playing a, a key role. He was absolutely, I think, completely freaked out when he got the call up from uh, Shukri Conrad, the South African coach. So, yeah, good on him. Nice to see a guy that's 33 uh, getting in there and making the most of a, of a second opportunity. Um, but what 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 of New Zealand? I mean, uh, maybe we talk about... Um, Will O'Rourke, of course, he was the man of the match and um, for his nine for 93, best uh, test match figures on debut by a New Zealand bowler. But, uh, interesting seeing who he was up against uh, on that chart. I don't know if you ch- t- uh, spotted that, but all spinners apart from Colin de Grandpines, Mark Craig, Ajax Patel, Will Somerville and Paul Wiseman. Um, and, I, you know, he's obviously, it's that weird thing where the poacher turns gamekeeper because I think Kyle Jamison's done a lot to help his development in the nets. He said he's been smashing him around and teaching him to bowl on a on a good length. And uh, I guess a special shout out to his old man, Paddy O'Rourke, who I think was known as a bit of a lunatic and a quite a, uh, what was the word? Uh, very supportive father, I think, is probably yeah. the right way of saying it. Um, of course, he was born, Will O'Rourke was born in England. Very active father? Is that very active, highly very active. active in his career? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So he was born in, um, was it Thames or somewhere? Anyway, over, over in the UK and uh, has got a, the ability, if he wasn't snapped up by New Zealand, to, to play for England, but said he'd never, ever remotely entertained the fact. And I don't think his old man would have entertained the fact either. So some some pretty nice storylines and so on coming out of uh, Willow Rook's success, DC. Yeah. And Tim Southey had some very kind things to say about him in the um in the presser afterwards, he mentioned that he'd only seen him a couple of times, but right from the off identified that he had a couple of traits that were pretty special and um, very good to transfer to the test game from the first class game. He noted his height, the bounce that he got and the energy that he bowled with and hitting hard lengths. And I was actually thinking about it a bit today that in many ways, he reminded me a little bit of an Australian seamer. Mm. Way, but he runs in and hits hard lengths and does it consistently all the time. Um, yeah, I thought he was highly impressive. But there is a, there was a slight quirk in him getting uh, man of the match because Ratch and Ravindra got man of the match in the first test, of course. So that means that the guy who scored three centuries, whose lowest score was a 43 in the series and effectively <laughs> won, won New Zealand the second test, uh, didn't get a man of the match on us for the series, although I, I believe he came... Uh, came away with the nominal player of the series. And that yeah. is, of course, came Williamson. And Maybe it was like a knighthood DC and he just quietly turned it down and, and left, yeah. left it to the young fellas. You know, be the kind of thing that he'd do and just not want any publicity for that. Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, that would that would be Kane, wouldn't it? And I actually did crack up at a line that um, Tim Southey said at the post-match presser when he was obviously asked about Kane Williamson and he said, oh, look, I'm just... I'm running out of things to say. Didn't we talk about this last week? And and then <laughs> went off to rattle off probably uh, some of the nicest words I've heard about Kane. Um, you know, Tim Tim mentioned that 
after the 12 months he's had with the injuries, with the setbacks on top of the injuries, with the rehabs, what he's doing now is just phenomenal. I, I think he said seven centuries and seven tests or something ridiculous like like that. And he, he openly said that the, the plan today was they just needed someone to stick with um, Kane because they knew his brilliance would show throughout the day. And that's not a bad game plan. To go, <laughs> to go into a fourth innings chase with. And I'm not sure there's too many players in the world where who um, have that so, so much pressure on their shoulders and wear it so lightly, I think is the phrase. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, showed incredible, again, just incredible patience. Um, yeah, blunted the attack. I mean, obviously so good at putting the bad balls away and dabbing his way to that to that century. Um the South Africans must just be absolutely sick to bloody death of watching the ball crash into the middle of his of his bat. And, you know, the way in which he he does it as well, so, so sort of poker-faced and not, not in an uncaring or, you know, passionless way, but just not really getting too hyped and not really getting too low. And, I, I yeah, just totally, totally admirable. You get the sense that um, he just loves being in those tough games and he just loves getting through, but you'd never really tell. I wrote down the quote that he said at the end. How did you How did you go? Oh, it was quite tricky out there. Oh, come on. Yeah. It was quite <laughs> tricky out there, was it? 133 not out. Stop yeah. it. Um, I, I actually wrote down something. I uh, I got my modern New Zealand cricket greats out, DC, and, uh, you know, you said this. You said that um, – He's a player that seems to be able to bend the game to his will. Um, and, you know, that's what it felt like out there. And he, he doesn't do it, do it in an overt way. And suddenly you realise, Christ, is he still here? Is it, we're not ever going to get him out. And, you know, he's not doing it in a, a WG Grace kind of way. But uh, he's just this incredible, um, just, yes, as, I, as you said, just bends the game to, to how he wants it to go. It's just a really bloody difficult thing, really easy thing to say you're going to do, really bloody difficult yeah. thing to get out there and do. And I, th- I think he batted for more than 16 hours in this series, which is just stupid. I mean, you mentioned how sick the side of South Africa must be, and that is the literal truth. They must have, by the end of it, they must just been going, oh, this feels like I'm in a Groundhog Day situation here. And and one thing, I, I'm i not sure if you can pass calmness on to someone else, but I really felt Will Young benefited massively from having Kane at the other end. Um, I thought Will Young batted really well in the first dig and then cloth one down along on his throat, which was you know, a really poor mistake. Never looked like making that same mistake again in this innings. I know 60 not out against a weakened South African attack is not the statement, not the defining innings or the statement innings we've been waiting for Will Young to deliver. But nevertheless, I felt that was a really important knock. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was just looking. Williamson faced 789 deliveries in the series. Which is what's that? I mean, I got to do some quick maths here. Is that 131 overs? Um, if we look at what South Africa did just in this match, their whole team uh, faced 97 plus uh, six plus 70. So, yeah, there you go, 160 something overs. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, you can pour statistics out 
you know, left, right and centre. But the fact of the matter is it's like amazing, amazing cricket to watch. And I guess we're just really bloody lucky that we've got him at the moment, that he still likes playing test cricket, that he's not injured. Uh, and that he's prepared to play a South African C team at home. And his, he seems to really enjoy that Hamilton test ground. Some ridiculous stats floating around um, on, on that front. Um, well, what what else was I, what else were we going to talk about, DC? I was going to say, I guess looking ahead now to the, feels a bit ruthless to do that, but, uh, you know, we've got beers to go and drink. And uh, I guess looking ahead, no, nah, actually, what about, so overall winners winners and losers and from South Africa and New Zealand point of view, and I guess we've mentioned a few, I just wanted to call out the, a, a couple of things that caught my eye. One one was Tim Southey, 57 overs, two for 180. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, that's a worry. And Lucky, lucky he's skipper. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. And, uh, yeah, and I, we've talked about it before, but the form of Devin Conway continues to be a concern. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what to do about Conway because the New Zealand way is to just let class players work themselves work themselves out of trouble, and he is a class player. But that dismissal on the um, the penultimate ball of day three, it was horrendous. You know, it was just a regulation off spinner that straightened on pitching, and he played inside the line of it. I don't know, I don't know how you do that. You would not want your number eight. Better to do that, <laughs> let alone someone as good as Conway. And it just pointed to maybe a, a bit of turmoil he's got going on um, in the turmoil about his batting at the moment. He just looks so confused, and and the, and they won't do it. But I did wonder if if you know there's even the start of a conversation about hey, if if we don't play Conway against Australia, what do we do there? Does does Ratchin open and Will Young go to five and Mitchell comes back in? I, I'm not sure. I mean, it's a moot conversation because I, I'm pretty certain they'll stick with Conway, but it, it has got to a point now. It almost feels like a little bit about like the Jeet Raval situation where the poor bloke was just walking out there and you just knew he was going to fail. Um, not quite there yet with Conway, but Jeepers, it's not, it's not good. It was tough to watch. Yeah, and I guess, you know, we can look ahead to that Australian Test Series. Of course, it starts at the Basin Reserve on February the 29th, probably a verdant green pitch. Um, God, I'm I'm, I'm nervous. I'm nervously excited about it. But I think the selectors have got a a few interesting decisions to make. I mean, I made a couple of notes, DC, and I reckon – I reckon there's six guys that are a lock, and you might disagree. There might be more. Maybe Conway's another. But Latham, Williamson, Ravindra, Southey, Henry and Blundell. Sorry, that's a random order, but I was just sort of working it out in my head. So there's a decision to be made around Conway. There's a decision to be made around Young. I think that there's a decision to be made with Young around, is it Young or Phillips? Because I feel like Young is more likely to get runs against Australia than Phillips. So I'll leave you with with that thought. Then there's a Jamison versus O'Rourke. Is Jamison fit? Is O'Rourke too young? Is it too much pressure for a young guy to go out there and do it? it? To be fair, he's done everything that's asked of him so far. Is it a, is it time for some, do the Australians want to face Neil Wagner? Um, and is Mitchell Santner going to squeak in there? It, it's There's a few there's a few decisions to be made in not too much time. All very good questions. Uh, we find out if Jamison's fit tomorrow morning, I believe. He's going up in front of the press alongside Gary Stead. That sounds ominous. Um, if he's not fit, it's a straight swap by Rourke. If he is fit, I think it's just... 
six months too early for O'Rourke to be up against Australia. But I, I'm still, I'd be dead keen to see it. I, I really want to see Will York, uh, uh, Will O'Rourke against Australia. But if Jamison's fit, I don't think he makes it. I think they stick with Conway. I think that Young is actually, the way he bats and his technique, I think he's actually more likely to score runs against Australia than both Ravindra and Phillips. Mm. But Rich is a lock because he gives you that left arm spin option as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't have the answers yet. Um, I'm intrigued. Um, and you put Blundellas in your dead set, he won't miss it either. And and you're right because he won't. But he he is desperately in need of some runs as well. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, I can't wait. I'm 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 pumped for that series. Um, so, so I'm so anyway, down there. We're going to do stuff together. I can. We are. It. We yeah. are. We are. I'm, uh, my annual leave is uh, all sorted, so uh, yeah, buckle up. That's all. That's all I'll say. Um, hey, we should we should go. Uh, I just wanted to say to everyone, you know, thanks heaps for joining us, for downloading us, for getting us in your ears over the last uh, few days and last couple of weeks with the South African series. Uh, big thanks to wonderful man Andrew Alderson for getting in the mix this week, and a big thanks to you, DC, and uh, to our producer Joe Jury, who is the unsung hero, and I think he is the, the absolute hamster wheel turner of the ACC. Thank you, Joe. Um, the BYC regular podcast. I think if we can track Jason Hoyt down, uh, if he's got back from uh, fishing or whatever he's been doing, um, then we'll be back next week. Uh, I know Chill Blaine is absolutely gagging for a bit more BYC uh, podcast, so it'd be lovely to get him back in the mix. And we're looking forward to a massive series against Australia and daring to dream about a World Test Championship final in June 2025. The next game is New Zealand versus Australia, the first T20 it's going to be humongous. Uh, it's at Wellington. Starts on Wednesday night at seven ten pm, and then we're off to uh, Auckland for a, for a, a couple on Friday and Sunday, and then uh, back down to Wellington for the for the Basin Reserve Test. So it's going to be a massive few weeks. Get amongst it. Between two beers allows you to tap into the wisdom of some great humans as they tell their stories. So pour yourself a new potty and make yourself at home with Between Two Beers. Cheers. Michael Jordan was basically walking down the hallway getting held up by two of his, you know, people, and he was done. And that was the game where he hit the winning buzzer shot. So we sort of crossed in the hallway, and it was just sort of one of those, whoa, if it was now, you'd be snapping away like yeah. social media. New episodes every Sunday on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.